Oh, so you like listening to podcasts, huh? Well, so do a lot of people. As a matter of fact, millions of listeners are tuning into podcasts every week, and your next customer could be one of them. Did you know that podcast advertising is one of the most effective ways to advertise your product or service? And it's really easy to get started. Just go to podbean.com slash brands. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands to start boosting your business with podcast advertising today. Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. I'm your host, Mike Davis, and each week I bring you conversations with local purpose-driven leaders. Leaders creating social impact through their work and inspiring positive social change across a wide variety of sectors. Sit back, tune in, and enjoy the next 40 minutes guaranteed to inspire you with our signature blend of wisdom, experience, and banter. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. And we realize that virtual reality is actually one of those methods that is just being started to be used as an altered state um, technique that has some of those properties that are similar, but they're in very different kind of space to Mm. what, for example, psychedelics are inducing. Um, And that's why we decided that this might be beneficial to combine them and started to explore how how this combination would look like. Welcome back to another action-packed episode of Humans of Purpose. First off, a big thanks to our season sponsor, Neon Treehouse, for all their wonderful social media support. Our current sponsor is Tank with a C, and we're most grateful for their support to date. Tank are reimagining government relations to make it far more accessible and catered to the needs and strengths of for-purpose organisations. To learn more about Tank, just hit the link in our show notes or head to tank.com.au. I'm thrilled to welcome my guest today, and that is Agnieszka Sekula. Agnieszka is co-founder at Enosis Therapeutics. Enosis are a very exciting startup focused on catalyzing mainstream adoption of psychedelic treatments with virtual reality. This is an amazing conversation where we explore a number of different ways that Enosis are approaching therapy. One aspect worth noting is the focus on moments of inspiration which we should be holding on to to guide us rather than just focusing on our problems. The notion being that therapy should be more than just a conversation. The insights generated from your therapy sessions should form the foundational base on which you keep building on in therapy. Before we get into today's episode, a quick reminder that I want to see you at our 300th episode Humans of Purpose Milestone Celebration coming up this Friday, the 22nd of September, 5.30pm at the Commons in Cremorne. Complimentary drinks, great beats from DJ 10pm and terrific food provided by V2 will all be served along with great humans for company. This is your last chance to get free tickets to what will be a spectacular evening and you can find out more with a link in the show notes. Hope you enjoy my conversation with Agnieszka as much as I did. Well, I'm thrilled to be here joined by Agnieszka. Uh, Welcome. How was my pronunciation? Very good. Like out of 10, maybe like a (laughs) 4? No, I'd say an 8. For the first Thank time you. trying, um, yeah, I heard all sorts of versions. So it's disappointing from a male who has Polish relatives, though, right? <laughs> I won't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. And your office is actually next to where we are right now, which is also like an amazing coincidence. That's right, and uh, this makes it the first uh, face-to-face podcast I've ever done, which is really exciting. Oh wow! All of them have been online so far. So was that strange to get an approach like I want to sit down together? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. It's nice. a nice experience. Perfect. Well, I'm so pleased you could make it, and thank you for joining me today. 
I'm just thrilled to learn a bit more about Enosis. I mean, I think it's fascinating what you're doing. Maybe you give our listeners a bit of a starting point. What is Enosis Therapeutics and why did you start it? Absolutely. Um, we are a research and development company and most people will know us as a virtual reality development company. Um, realistically, our main mission is to make therapy and any um, well-being support, mental well-being support, more accessible um, and more beneficial to, to patients or any individuals who require support for their mental well-being. Um, virtual reality has been used as an expression of that support that we can offer patients. Um, and that's why we are developing virtual reality-based scenarios, um, both for, for clinicians who work with patients and for anyone who wants to use them alone at home. How exciting is that? So really the forefront of technology applied to the therapeutic setting. And so why was that an important area for you to look at? And what was it about your journey that took you to that place? Oh, that journey started many, many years ago. Um, I guess it started both for myself and my co-founder in very different places and very different times. Uh, my my co-founder, Dr. Pushpanathan, um, might be, he's known in Australia as one of the first advocates of psychedelics. Um, so might be known to some of the listeners who are interested in that topic from, from that perspective. Um, my background is in virtual reality um, and I've been using virtual reality in different uh, fields of medicine to improve the the approach to um, make the make the benefits for patients a little bit more tangible and more permanent. Um, and that has been applied to um, nuclear medicine, to space medicine, to all sorts of um, medical um, medical fields in the past. But I've always been interested in how virtual reality can hijack our sensory system and how it makes it um, almost impossible to focus on anything else than what you're seeing in the VR space. And I always thought that this is something that can be leveraged for mental health. Mm. And that's what brought me to using it for mental health. That's quite fascinating. I, I think the idea of complete focus is almost impossible to consider in other circumstances with our, um, our attention economy and the crazy world we live in, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's what makes um, virtual reality so special. It can buffer you from anything else that's happening around you. That's why it's um, often used in um, as a, a replacement for pain medicine, for example. So it can distract from any painful procedures, um, both for adults and for kids. Um, and it's very, very useful in hospitals in those situations which are very distressing. Um, and it's um, almost as powerful as any analgesic. And it's, for me, maybe an analogy, and tell me if this is an incorrect one, might be sort of like being in a very deep um, mindfulness meditation state in a way. That's right. Um, VR is actually very successful at inducing a mindful state and also at supporting mindfulness practices. So this is um, exactly when that intersection between altered states practices, which mindfulness is one of the expressions of it, and virtual reality kind of come together. I'll tell you about a personal experience I had recently, which has almost nothing to do with what you're doing in Enosis, but is um, sort of enlivened me to the potential of virtual reality. We went as a team to do um, a thing called Zero Latency. Have mm. you heard of this? Yeah, yeah, so the, the game uh, thing, and it's in the Docklands. And we played Far Cry, which is one of my favorite um, video games. And we did it as a group of about eight of us in a small room where we put on VR headsets and it transported us into the world of Far Cry 3, which is a Caribbean island setting where you're basically as a group combating um, all sorts of, you know, um, malevolent forces and um, as, as a team. And it was just 
mind-blowing beyond what even my wildest conception of a VR journey might have been. We were moving through spaces uh, in the room in a carefully manufactured setting and working as a team, and we had to do things like walk over tightropes and interact with each other and um, focus on a mission together. And I could tell you that afterwards, it was only 20 minutes, it felt like three hours and we were sweating. Uh, We were all emotionally very charged afterwards, but it was the most incredible experience, I think, because it was so immersive. Absolutely. Um, and that's what makes it so amazing um, at inducing that sense of presence that it's so important in therapy. Um, what you experienced uh, was very clearly a gaming type of environment. Mm. Um, and there's a lot happening in this space for gamers. And there's a lot of really exciting projects that are very well developed. And there's a lot of thinking put into that. There's also a lot of money in that space. Um, unfortunately, what we see in in health technology, um, you'd think that there would be a little bit more innovation going into that, given yeah. how important that space is. Um, but there has been almost this kind of very safe approach to using virtual reality to treatment. And we absolutely understand that um, in terms of the safety. But that also means that a lot of virtual real- reality scenarios out there are very um, similar, almost replicable yeah. in terms of being used either for mindfulness or exposure. And these are basically the two main applications mm. of VR in medicine, mm. um, which is something that was always um, a little bit difficult for us to to digest because we are passionate about this space and we understand that VR can be much more than that. And that's where we started to explore those other applications of VR that are um, unseen anywhere else. And so before we get on to that, talk to me about how you connected with uh, Dr. Prash, your co-founder. Um, we we met through friends, and it wasn't until I actually started to apply for my my PhD um, at Swinburne University that we started to talk more deeply about our mutual passions. Um, I he obviously wanted to do research in the psychedelic space, and I was really interested in altered states more broadly. And so we decided to to work together on a paper to look at um, the application of altered states techniques in treatment of addiction. And we reviewed a whole range of evidence for psychedelic therapy, for hypnosis, uh, for meditation. And the result of that paper was kind of that synthesis of of what are the different effects of altered states methods that make them so successful. And our conclusion was that it's actually um, the combination of those methods that might lead to augmented benefits for patients. Uh, and we started looking at how to combine them to leverage different mechanisms where they ha- where they can fill each other's gaps. And we realized that virtual reality is actually one of those methods that is just being started to be used as an altered state um, technique that has some of those properties that are similar, but they're in very different kind of space to Mm. what, for example, psychedelics are inducing. Um, And that's why we decided that this might be beneficial to combine them and started to explore how those how this combination would look like it's so fascinating so it's sort of like a um, dualistic or um, double effect in a way so complementary effect yeah 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 so the idea would be that um, to take mushrooms or a, a substance like that could transport you to a sort of virtual reality like state but adding virtual reality to that assisted therapy experience might give you um, significant um, or more diverse range of benefits um, in some ways. So yeah. what we are actually focusing on is the the therapeutic component of psychedelic acid psychotherapy. Yep. So what we wanted to do was to make sure that psychedelic experience is being explored from the whole range of different angles. And um, we wanted to make sure that we are maximizing those experiential moments in psychedelic treatment. And so using virtual reality almost to, in some way, to extend that um, in order to be able to integrate that experience better was one of our uh, main goals. 
Um, it's not about replicating the psychedelic experience, which is what a lot of people might think when we speak about using experiential yep. VR in treatment. Um, it's actually about anchoring a lot of those psychedelic um, experiences or insights that emerge um, during your journey in order to be able to return to, to them. So it's wow. creating that connection to your specific personal psychedelic experience yes. so that you can keep building on it during therapy. So that would be as opposed to a case where I might have a really profound psychedelic experience or therapeutic moment or series of moments, but for whatever reason, I can't return as effectively to that to prolong the effect or the treatment effect of that experience. That's right. And that's true for um, psychedelic treatments especially because those insights are both incredibly profound but also very elusive. We tend to forget them very early on, even the next day. It's quite difficult to actually connect to what that experience felt like. Mm. So this is this is actually what kind of what started our journey, the, the um, research into what makes psychedelic experiences so powerful, um, and the realization that it's actually all about those profound insights that emerge, that are very um, sort of innately driven, that are very authentic, um, and they don't come from a therapist telling you what to do or I'm advising you on how to approach your problem they emerge from within you which is why they feel like they're so so personal to you um, and so this is something that drives patients in a much easier way to actually commit to change to understand that they're capable of change because it's their own insight unfortunately a lot of therapeutic practices that follow that don't really tap into those insights um, as deeply as they, as we believe they should. Um, patients forget them and they forget that emotional attachment they had to those experiences. So what we wanted to um, produce is a method of tapping back to those experiences in a way that is more emotional and in a way that reminds them of every detail, every nuance of the content of that insight uh, which might not seem important at the time and maybe if you read them back from your, from your notes um, they wouldn't stand out. But if you record it, and if you record it through multisensory projections, which is something that we are providing, um, those nuances are there and you can tap back into them and you can then explore them from a different perspective. Um, and as you said, this is something that is true also for any therapy. Hmm. It's not just a psychedelic therapy. So for us, that was just a starting point. But realistically, we, we realized that um, in our approach, we would like to transform the way we think about therapy as problem-driven. Um, most patients will present to their therapist with having specific problems that would like to resolve. And a lot of therapeutic approaches would start from that point. They would try to address those problems and then find solutions for those problems. We are approaching it from the perspective of being insight-driven, which is patients, we believe that patients and anyone really has those, um, has those insights and has those best perspectives that they can have um, at some point in their life that they're cap capable of having those um, both emotions and kind of thought processes that are representing that authentic core self. And we are trying to make them tap back to those those insights um, so that they can drive their own healing pathway. Yeah, so that's fascinating. And maybe that's a good place to talk about why personalization is important in therapy and treatment and why your approach is a little bit different. So it's that sort of, if you go into a bit more detail about why the personal experience um, and the personalized approach um, might be far more effective or interesting than just a standard run-of-the-mill model. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so unfortunately, the thing that we are most used to when it comes to virtual reality-based treatments um, are the kind of scenarios that are being pre-designed and then projected on the user. 
So again, going back to either exposure scenario or mindfulness scenario um, or any of the kind of healing experiences that are very common out there, um, they're all pre-designed and they're all uh, very passive. So the, the user participates in someone else's experience. Instead, what, what we are providing is a whole range of building blocks and tools for the patient to express themselves. And what's happening is that they are building the model themselves. So they're building the VR scenario from the inside out, um, and they're only using those basic building blocks to sort of construct the, the contents of their mind. We call it the process of mind mapping. So it's literally about um, teasing out whatever is sitting in your mind onto the virtual reality space. And because it's so flexible, because it's uh, multi-discipline, multi-sensory, it allows you to project the contents of your mind in a way that is more representative of how you actually think. Mm. So if you think about um, the therapeutic processes that are being used at the moment and the kind of talk therapy frameworks that we're used to, they're very cognitive or analytical, just even by the virtue of needing to form very neat narratives as you speak. So that meaning-making might be very difficult to some, some people who are um, perhaps um, presenting that pro problem to a therapist for the very first time, and they kind of need to make some sort of cohesive sense um, out of what happened to them. Yeah. But if you think about how we actually experience those situations, they don't come to you in those um, linear um, ways. Pathways. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, they, they happen as an experience, and it's usually a very composite experience, like anything in life. And so we are encouraging um, the user to project those experiences in a very chaotic, free-form kind of fashion onto the VR space and then become an explorer of that. So they create records of anything that happened to them with um, audio recordings, visual recordings, and then either alone or together with the therapist, they go on a journey of exploration of their psyche. They start to map connections of those different thoughts and emotional patterns, um, different links and and mapping basically the entire kind of memory palace of what happened to them so they can start projecting onto the future. This is um, becoming quite new world, brave new world for me, a little bit matrix and interesting. So you're going to delve into the deep recesses of my mind or I will do that with you and pull out some, you know, experiences or memories or things that I want to work on and um I suppose in this, um, if I'm understanding this correctly, in this brave new world, we will actually be able, or I will be able to walk through in an, an assisted, psychedelic-assisted way some of those experiences that I've mapped out and maybe emotionally have some reactions to them and make some progress through them. That's right. And it's it's encouraging you um, to go on a journey for your own mind um, and be a little bit more curious about it than trying to solve problems. Um, it's that exploration that really excites us, that curiosity that is driven by uh, trying to build your best self. And in our self-guided models, so this is something that we've created for, for patients who might want to use those models at home, um, we're encouraging the type of insights that would represent the best version of yourself. So realistically, the end goal of it is for patients to build the representation of their best self um, by collecting those best self moments. So that this is something that on one hand they're building towards and on the other hand they can go to that that person um, to um, help them out in a moment of need. So instead of going to a therapist, um, if you, for whatever reason, you can't um, attend a therapy session, mm -hmm. uh, for example, you can't afford it or you're on a waiting list yep. um, or you're living somewhere remotely where you simply don't have the access, um, you can instead ask that best version of yourself um, to give you the answers. I love that so much. Um, talk to me a bit about the best version of yourself and sort of um, 
the optimized self or um, working from a place of inspiration and empowerment as opposed to just solving problems like maybe conventional therapy might be aimed at? Yeah. um, So we believe that we all have that um, authentic self that is in all of us um, that does hold all the answers. Um, we often have those those moments of um, sort of profound ideas that we know that if something happened to us right now, we would not lose our integrity. That we would act in a way that we that would make us proud. Um, but unfortunately, those moments usually happen um, in the shower, <laughs> or at the comfort of your own home, yep. and they somehow disappear the second the actual difficult situation appears. Um, so what what we are driven by is um, to kind of, as I said, teasing out those best self moments by asking questions um, and creating environments that um, that prompt patients to create recordings and those audio recordings, for example, of what is um, what are their deepest values, uh, what are the missions that um, they want to accomplish in their life. For those questions, we are teasing out those moments of clarity and those moments of profound comfort and content that they um, can can then produce for themselves on that sort of blank canvas that is the virtual reality space, and they can keep returning to that. It's a, it's incredible. Um, I mean, the idea of that you, you're talking to somebody who's, um, I suppose, luckily in a way, had some different forms of therapy. So maybe a good person to um, talk about some of the specifics about. But one of the things that you often hear in therapy is like, imagine you're your best friend talking to yourself, or imagine you're yourself now talking to a younger version of yourself, um, like to give yourself comfort through a certain situation. So what I can imagine some of the application of this might be is instead of having to do that, you actually could refer back to a common uh, thought loop or pattern that you know is difficult or a situation that you've had to navigate in your past that's challenging. And when you know you're approaching something similar or just need to do more work on that, you could almost return to that and, you know, um, draw new insights and apply curiosity to the situation to help you be better for for the future and for the now. Absolutely. So it is about celebrating your wins in a lot of ways. Um, And instead of trying to visualize um, that future self, you can, in a lot of ways, you can represent that in VR. And as we spoke about before, that immersiveness of it means that you can truly, truly imagine that, even if it's not about being very explicitly designed. So I think a lot of people would immediately think, oh, so if I can speak to a younger version of myself, I could just build a younger version of myself in <laughs> VR and then actually truly speak to them. Um, in reality, it's, that's probably not the best way that this could work. Um, it's actually just that ability of VR to really focus your atten- attention on that single thing that is in front of you that is the most powerful and it doesn't have to be very explicit. Um, it can be quite abstract. Um, it just has to target this this mechanism of buffering and of of kind of um, increasing that sense of presence. So, how will or how does this work in practice? Like, what's the kind of pathway? If I, I come in tomorrow and say I want to do this with you, how would that actually look? There are a few a few ways of doing that. Yep. So, um, you can use that in therapy, and there is some therapists that we work with. Uh, we just started a collaboration with um, VCPS in Melbourne. So if you'd like to go to see a therapist, you can go and sign up for therapy there. A VCPS, be, did you say? Uh, yes, Victoria Counseling and Psychological Services. Yep. Um, so we will be starting from there um, on the 1st of October. 
So you can sign up for, for treatment with VR there. And the way the treatment would look like um, would be very similar to what a regular talk therapy um, looks like at the moment. And your therapist would be using very similar therapeutic approach and framework that they're familiar with and they feel comfortable with. But the therapy would actually take place in VR. So any answer you'd be giving your um, your um, therapist would be initially recording as those um, sort of distinct audio recordings that are all sort of separate and projected onto the VR space in that chaotic manner. Um, and all those recordings would be stored for you to return the, um, in between your sessions. So it's kind of like an automated method of taking patient notes, but the patient notes that are yours and not your doctor's. Um, so by doing that, we are preserving those most important moments in therapy, um, those moments of clarity or, or any kind of suggestions or guidance that the therapist offers to you to be recorded and to be stored and for you to build on in between your sessions. Mm. Um, you could think of it as a homework, yeah. um, but the homework is actually immersive and exciting. So something that you would be uh, compelled to do. And by doing that and by returning to those insights that you generated together with your therapist, you would have much more, much bigger sense of cohesion in your treatment. Yeah. So there would be a continuity that um, you could kind of fall back onto every day when you actually need that. So that's the most basic application um, in treatment together with a therapist. Um, we are at the moment we are finalizing the development of the self-guided program, which can be used at home. So again, if you don't have access to therapy for whatever reason, um, or maybe you think that you don't necessarily need therapy just yet, um, but would obviously benefit from self-exploration. And um, this is something that you can do at any time at your own home. As long as you have a VR headset, you can access that model. These are the models that will be launching on Meta. So they're downloadable if you have um, Oculus headset. And they are um, they are the ones that I was speaking about in terms of prompting those best self moments. So it is a therapy session in some way, mm. but it's a you can think of it as a positive psychology therapy session. So um, instead of trying to process your problems, we are um, igniting those moments of of authentic self that patients are building, and mm. the kind of the end goal of it is to have that complete, authentic, best version of you within VR. It's very exciting. And I think the positive framing of how you're describing this makes a lot of sense. And, and I think one, one query I would have is when people go away from a therapy session and they've got recordings, I can imagine a situation where people will just obsessively listen to the same thing over and over and try to make sense of it and you know get stuck in their own loops. Uh, did you have to develop like guidelines around how to best uh, use or return to those recordings so that people do so in like a safe and efficacious way? Uh, we have for the um, at-home use one, yep. yes. Uh, for the therapeutic one, we actually, it's a very open-ended system, so it's more of a, a support for the therapist yep. and it's up to the therapist to prescribe whatever they think is best. Mm. Um, it's just a toolbox that we are providing, but there's no guidance in there in terms of any structure or framework that that we provide. Yep. We presume that the therapist knows knows best, knows knows the, their patient best. Um, and is, is able to decide what would be the best way of working um, yeah. with that model. You know, it's quite interesting because when I think about the best therapy experiences I've had, um, you know, it's often that you'll have a session and I know what most people like to do in therapy sessions is just unload all their problems and then come away with a few positives and then just try and remember that vigorously until you need therapy again. But you, as you say, you forget most of it. Then one day you remember some of it in the shower and then it doesn't matter and it's too late, right? <laughs> but the better therapists that I've worked with have then followed 
followed up with particular articles or references that are sort of tangential to what's raised in the session or audio resources, uh, recordings or tapes of other people speaking about similar topics. So what, what I think is quite interesting and dynamic about what you're doing is actually it's yourself uh, and, the, you know, going back to that session as a sort of recurring thing is sort of what's going to give you that prolonged um, impact or insight. That's right. And in some way, uh, we do leverage those diverse perspectives as well. And we work a lot of a lot with symbols, symbolic actions. So patients can, for example, if they go for something that they would like to nurture or nourish, um, they have an insight that they know that they need to tend to. Um, they can use the symbolic function in VR to plant that insight, and they can keep returning to that insight and taking actions um, to sort of maybe form that habitual change like to take actions towards node. this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they can use water droplets to water that plant. It's a fairly basic mechanism, but this is something that reinforces that that desire and that need to keep nourishing that that insight or that that plan that you set up for yourself, um, and that's something that is providing that extra stimulus. So it's not just about deciding it. It's not just about projecting it with through your through your words. Um, it's not just about recording it, but then you can also modulate that. You can also visually represent that. Uh, you can connect it to your other insights, um, and you can play with with three D models, with with drawings, with symbolism to kind of reinforce that um, that idea or that plan. That's extremely exciting. I mean, there is so much potential here. How could you see this? Well, first of all, I mean, another question would be: How does the psychedelic assisted therapy play into this? Would be the first one. Yeah. So that was. It was inspired by the yep. psychedelic therapy, and it was initially designed um, around the psychedelic experience. So it was designed to capture those psychedelic insights immediately after the psychedelic experience. So if you imagine sure. uh, someone just coming out of their psychedelic journey on yep. the other on the other end of it, um, they have all those insights that just happened and they're very um, very fresh in their mind. Um, so that's the first and most important use of the model in uh, the psychedelic context when they are recording all of those insights and project them um, onto that VR space uh, without needing to face the external reality. So it's almost like you want to put on the VR headset immediately after you you come back, yep. um, replacing the blindfolds with the headset so yep. that you're not faced with that reality that kind of anchors you, you back to the, the familiar. Um, and then you get to focus again on those insights as much as you can to, to be present with them and project them as they come in this chaotic way without needing to make meaning out of this. We are immediately forced to try and make sense of things when we speak to someone. <laughs> Even if we speak to ourselves, it's there's just this natural need to connect the words, right? Yep. For them to make sense in a sequence. Yep. Um, but if it's just those kind of disjointed objects that are in front of you that you can use as audio recording devices suddenly that need disappears mm. and you can express yourself in a way that actually comes to you. Yep. And it's so precious right after the psychedelic experience to be able to do that um, because, again, there's all that nuance in this. And um, the the very important part of it is then returning back to those insights in the exact way as they were recorded to be reminded of them. So usually what we do um, during the debriefing session after a psychedelic experience is to allow patients to listen back to their insights and then record further thoughts or emotions that emerge in response to them. That usually is enough to produce a whole range of content that um, starts to kind of assemble in some sort of way into different themes. 
um, those themes are then identified and processed and uh, different different insights are grouped together. Um, there's different ways of representing the relationships between those insights. Obviously, it's a it's a free environment, so the possibilities are endless in terms yeah. of the representation. So you can really kind of see how your mind works in terms of what flows to what and what informs what um, by being able to modulate that. Um, and that's that's kind of the, the most important part of that process. Obviously, as I said, there's a lot of symbolism, um, a lot of kind of immersive engagement from those different environments that we provide. But realistically, that the sense of being able to record things um, as they come to you and then listen back to them and then turning the therapy into exploration and a journey rather than trying to then make sense out of things is that connection to to the psychedelic experience that we've created. Sure. And so just, just so I understand correctly, do you have to have um, a psychedelic experience to do this therapy or that's it, it's completely like you could no. you could do either? No, absolutely yeah. not. Um, it was inspired by all the yes, states, yeah. but it is now being used yeah. in mental health in general. Because I know that um, psychedelic-assisted therapies are becoming more and more prevalent as a modality here. Um, what percentage of people do you think you'll see coming through for one versus the other, like psychedelic-assisted versus regular? Um, at the moment, we're not providing a psychedelic-assisted okay. therapy. Uh, we are collaborating with researchers who are doing clinical trials sure. in this space. But this is not a, it's a form of treatment, great, it's more great. as a research part. No, that's really important to clarify, very good clarification. But so, the, I mean, in terms of the application of this, it seems like going beyond the exposure and the mindfulness applications is a real key breakthrough here. And I feel like just sensing your excitement that there's unlimited potential here and so much that can be done. What is your expectation for the future? Oh, um, I would I would just love... Um, to inspire people to explore that very, very unique technology in ways that we haven't imagined yet. Um, replicating a lot of existing models because they make sense commercially. I understand that, um, but that's not something that fuels our imagination. That's not something that's going to change the world. I think there is so much that this this space allows and opens doors to um, that really our imagination is the only limit. So I would like to, I would like to see a lot of young people who are coming out from, um, any kind of coding courses, um, or VR related, um, um, workshops to be able to apply those skills in ways that they would see fit for themselves and in ways that, um, would basically try to push the boundaries of what is it that we know that VR space could be like. That's fascinating. And so do you think in particular something like this would appeal more to young people because of their sort of digital nativeness? Interestingly enough, I mean, you, you'd expect that, right? Yeah. You'd expect them to be obviously more at ease with using technology yeah. um, and owning the VR headsets. Mm. Um, we had a range of people joining us on our case studies um, and we had a whole range of people obviously trying the model and we were getting feedback um, from those users on the model as we were improving it. Um, I that's that's not what we see. Well. <laughs> we actually see it being um, very a lot of people enjoy it uh, for the whole range of different purposes, and I think that's the main distinction between different um, different cohorts rather than the actual um, either capacity to work with it or or the sense of comfort. It's more around um, how would they apply it for themselves. So we often um, try to keep any any user experience very open ended. Uh, we don't try to fit it into the, not even like a therapeutic space. It's more of a, these are the tools that, that we've created. What would you do with it? And people use it or want to use it for a whole range of different things from, from journaling, um, to mental health. And I think it is just that 
that different people will use it for different different applications. Um, but I don't think, yeah, I don't think age is actually a, that distinctive factor. So exciting time for you with starting to provide that um, option and that um, thing via Meta as well, the opportunity for self-assisted care. What are your kind of next milestones that you're really looking forward to? Obviously, October, by the time this comes out, you'll already be running um, sessions through this methodology. You might already have the self-assisted approach. What else are you looking forward to uh, milestone-wise for to know that you're on the right track? For me personally, that's always about the improvement of the of the VR programs. Yeah. Um, we're not done. <laughs> there is a lot of a lot of ideas that we have around what we could create. It's just a matter of time before we build them, and that process of designing those scenarios together with uh, our medical advisors, together with other researchers, and trying to identify what patients might need, what patients might benefit from. And we're collaborating with a whole range of, of researchers and professionals on that, uh, obviously from, from medical science um, up to different um, design professionals as well who kind of understand how users interact with those spaces in a way that would be helpful versus in a way that could be corruptive. Um, and so so collaborating with those, with those teams and with those groups and understanding... Uh, people's needs better and then translating it into the designs that could be truly could be anything that's the most exciting thing and we're going to keep going on that um we are um, producing some of those models specifically for industry partners who require targeted programs for their cohorts mm. so um if you think about a, a hospital that has a specific um, department that requires a treatment that is targeted towards this diagnostic. Um, this is something that we're developing. So we're working with those industry partners to develop programs for them and for their patients specifically towards uh, those out outcomes. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that and working more with those type of industry partners and seeing what people need for us to do. Super exciting. And I mean, just maybe a broader question to sort of wrap up on. I sort of have a theory or a belief that everyone can benefit from therapy. Um, I think therapy has a bad name because people think it's just about solving your, your problems and maybe much of it is, but I think there's a another part of it there which is really about finding your authentic self, as you say, it, and harnessing and you know drawing on that to become a better, more complete person. What's your view? Do you think do you have a belief um, on um, whether people should be engaging in this or not or everyone or some people or – I, that's a very interesting point. And I do absolutely believe that, yes, everyone could benefit from therapy. I think there's a lot of stigma around it. As mm. you say, there is um, a lot of just kind of um, understanding that therapy is only for people who have real problems. You wouldn't go to a therapist unless you have some, unless there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Right. Um, that's obviously the kind of stigma that we've seen for decades. And as with any other stigma that will change and is changing already, we yep. see that change already, but it's not as profound as we would like it to be. But also we have to remember that um, it is a very expensive process. It is a very time-consuming process. Um, so it is a little bit privileged to be able to go yeah. to see a therapist, right? Um, and so this will be a barrier to a lot of people. And I think the most important thing that we need to do is to rethink what therapy actually is. As you say, that name is very connected to certain approaches, yeah. um, but it, it doesn't have to be. Um, I think there is obviously there is a lot of trends in in kind of supporting well-being and mental well-being um, through different applications, also through technology. Um, and we, I think we need to really zoom out and understand what does it mean to be well? 
um, rather than what does it mean to treat something, treat a problem, and establish those structures around maintaining that uh, well-being, allowing anyone to be well within the community um, and to create the kind of experiences, uh, whether it's with technology or otherwise, that support that well-being. You've absolutely given the best answer I could have hoped for there. <laughs> and maybe it's because it's one that I agree with. But nevertheless, <laughs> I think that's very profound. Um, it's been wonderful having you and to learn about Enosis and your journey. How can people connect with you and learn more about yourself and your work? Uh, we would love to hear from anyone who is interested in this space. Um, please come to our website, enosistherapeutics.com, uh, or find us on LinkedIn. We'll be more than happy to talk to you. Yeah, and can people send you a message? Would you be happy to have a chat? Fantastic. Okay. Thank you so much for being with me today, Agnieszka. It's been wonderful. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player and why not share it with a friend or two? If you want more from your Humans of Purpose experience, become a Humans of Purpose member today through our new platform, Supercast. All you need to do is hit the link in our show notes. If you have a message to share with our audience about your brand, products, or services, we have a wide variety of paid promotional packages available. Please get in touch by hitting the link in our show notes. Are you the proprietor of a business selling shaving kits, meal packs, audiobooks, or anything else of the sort? Have you failed to tap the market of people who love hearing their favorite comedians talk about their boring lives? What's wrong with you? 57% of U.S. consumers listen to podcasts every month. That's a lot of ears that could be hearing about your brand. Go to podbean.com brands to learn how it do. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands, and you could be the one talking instead of me.